So, yeah, so last week, I know several of you were missing. We had camps and all kinds of amazing stuff going on. And um, uh, So last week, I, I'm, I'm just going to give you a quick kind of overview of last week so I can get into this week. Um, basically, last week, um, I shared about um, the title of my message was Devotion, how, how Devotion to the Essentials in Acts 2.42 how devotion to the essentials gives birth to revival families. And that's who we are. Amen. Say, we are, we are a revival family. family. We are a revival family. And devotion to the essentials that we read about in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, is what gives birth to the revival families that we are. And as most of you know... Um, God has really been highlighting family in the body of Christ at large and in many different places. And so we have been making that an emphasis for us this year. And God has been really stirring in my heart um, this evangelism again and, and really rebirthing that. And so last week I, I took part of Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and I, I smashed it with the last sentence in verse 47, and it gave me this. And they devoted themselves, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so when we live devoted to the essentials, God adds to our number daily. That's the pattern we have here. That's the model we're looking at. When we are devoted to the essentials, God adds to our number. And so last week I shared that evangelism is how we as a spiritual family give birth to spiritual babies. And, and being devoted to the essentials causes God to give birth to new Christians through our evangelistic efforts. And I, I don't know about you, but I personally, I want to see God give new birth to new spiritual babies. Does anybody want to see some new spiritual kids? Y'all made enough natural ones. We need some spiritual ones. Amen. In the four over club, raise your hand. Yeah. We're all, yeah. Okay. I think five makes you Amish, so... I wasn't going to go that far, uh, but, but yeah, well, I gave that up a long time ago, but I want to see spiritual babies, like I have not had enough yet, I have not had enough spiritual babies, neither of any of you, there are so many out there waiting for us to just bring the truth and the life of God, to give birth to an eternal life with God. And so I want to see our supernatural family grow. All healthy families grow. And so last week I shared that Acts 2, 42 through 47 tells us how this happens. But then I posed a question of what, what was the secret sauce to being devoted? Is it trying harder? Working harder? Nope, it's not. Last week, I shared that the secret sauce to living devoted, 
To being devoted is being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, devotion becomes a natural byproduct in our life. See, it's like devotion is like the fuel gauge on your automobile. Devotion is the fuel gauge for our lives. And if we are low in devotion, then we are low in being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the only way... The only way we truly know that we are being filled every day is that we are living devoted lives with God and with each other. So, we can say, you know, we can say it a hundred different ways. I'm devoted, Tom. I mean, I can say it too. I'm I'm a devoted person. I'm full of it. I'm full of it. Well, you're full of something. (laughs) We can say we're full of the Holy Spirit, but it's only through how we live that we prove the tank is full. That's it. Everything else is lip service. So when we are full of the Holy Spirit, we can't help but be devoted. Our zeal shows, our commitment shows. Our consecration shows. Our passion shows. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, our priorities change. Our entertainment changes. Our value system changes. We live differently. And Acts 2, 42-47 is our proof. It is the photo album. It is like a photo album of what Holy Spirit-filled people look like. Holy Spirit, passionately devoted Christianity looks like. That's what Acts 2.42 is. It's a photo of that. Being devoted is not about trying harder. It's about receiving more. And so last week, I said, this is a grace race, not a death march. And if you're bored with your Bible... If you come to church or you go to connect group out of guilt, guess what? You're doing it wrong. You're not doing it filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, now, just because you're empty doesn't give you permission to opt out of essentials of Christianity. You're still accountable. Every one of us are. It just means you're going to be miserable doing it. And if we're doing it in misery, then guess what? We're not going to do it very well, and you're going to quit. You're just not going to do it at all. You see, our supernatural family is to be one of abundant life. Everyone say abundant life. Now say it like you mean it. Abundant life. Now, unfortunately, is Fallen humans, our tendency is to grind ourselves into dust because we love to overwork. We love to overindulge in entertainment. 
We uh, love to overindulge in social media. We overextend ourselves when it comes to sports and extracurricular activities. And then we're left with saying, why am I not enjoying my life, Pastor Tom? Why is my life stink? Why don't I have abundant life that the Bible says, Tom? It's because we grind ourselves into dust, because we do life without being filled with the Holy Spirit. It takes the abundant life of the Holy Spirit to produce abundant life. I mean, that was our whole, our whole sin problem. Is we have no life, we had no life in us. Only death. Ephesians 2.1 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of, the, of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Ephesians 2.4 But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, say by grace. By grace, by grace you have been saved. Colossians 2, 13, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Yeah, say thank you. You see, it's only through being filled with the Holy Spirit that only being filled with the supernatural life of God, that we can experience this abundant life the Bible says you're supposed to have. So if we feel dead, guess what? You're empty. You're empty. See, when we are filled with the Spirit of God, we live. For righteousness. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we pursue holiness. We live in holiness. We don't just put up with it. We don't just endure it. And guys, let us, I'm going to hit us real hard. When men are filled with the Holy Spirit, we don't look at women like sex objects. We live in holiness with our sisters. And ladies, since this is an equal opportunity gospel, <laughs> You see, when women are filled with the Holy Spirit, they don't dress like sex objects. You live in holiness with your brothers, and you realize the weakness that they can have. I mean, do we realize that how, 
how little sin management we would be doing around here if we were just filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, we would be doing less and less sin management if we were just continuously being filled with God's Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit would be teaching us and telling us more and more every day how to live. In fact, it's in 1 John chapter 2. It says, Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Now, what's he saying? Well, the Apostle John is telling his listeners that they were being lied to. And now the Apostle John's telling us we're being lied to. We're being lied to by pop stars. We're being lied to by YouTube stars. We're being lied to by fake news. Uh, universities and liberal professors are lying to us now. Politicians. We are being deceived by even fake Christians who are really just liars. Wolves in sheep's clothing who distort the meaning of Scripture. We are being deceived about things like when does life begin? We're being deceived about who, uh, what sex is and, and, and who should be married. We're being deceived about gender. And the Apostle John says, he says, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. So what's this anointing he's even talking about? Well, it's in verse 20. It says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. You see, we have received the Holy One of God, and He teaches us truth. In other words, again, we would do less sin management and be less deceived if we abided in and were filled with the spirit of truth. Now, I'm not saying let's get dumb and use this verse as some kind of prideful excuse to never listen to teaching, never listen to preaching, never accepting godly advice or counsel. Let's not be dumb. I've got enough of those days in my life ahead of me and behind me. I don't need to get there. That's not even biblical. 
The Bible clearly tells us that we are to teach and preach and admonish one another in love. What I am saying is that the enemy of deception is the truth of God's word and a spirit-filled life. In fact, repeat that after me. The enemy of deception is the truth of God's word and a spirit-filled life. And listen, I'm, not also, I'm also not saying that we should never have to talk about sin. What I am saying is that once sin is revealed through the word of God, because that's how we learn it, right? That's what Paul taught us. I didn't know what sin was until the law told me what sin was. We've got to talk about it. We've got to let the Bible inform us, not culture, not your YouTube channel, not anything, but the word of God. We've got to let the word of God, but once it's revealed... The Holy Spirit teaches us then where sin is hiding in our lives. Do you see that? So I hear good teaching, I get good preaching, I listen to godly counsel, and then the Holy Spirit, when I'm filled, begins to say things like, yo, hey, that was a little ugly thing right there. Did you notice that? Ooh. No, I was hoping you didn't see that. I mean, so many of us, we don't even realize how, how ugly and sinful pride is. Just pride. I mean, once I real, realized what pride is, guess what? The Holy Spirit started showing me and teaching me all the ways it was hiding in my life. So we still teach what sin is. But then when we are full of the Holy Spirit... He shows us all the ways that it, that sin is touching our lives. And if, you know, back to a message I shared on repentance several months ago, if we're not convinced that something is sin, then we will never repent from it. If there's nothing wrong with that, if I don't think there's anything wrong, then guess what? I can never, ever turn from it. You see, abundant life can only come from a spirit-filled life. We don't have it in us. We don't have it in us to produce abundant life. We can't work hard enough for it. I mean, it's called a rat race for a reason. You just get on that little wheel and you just keep going and going and going all in our own strength. And see, when we're left to our own ideas and plans, we grind ourselves into dust. See, when we abide in the Holy Spirit, He teaches us how to work. He teaches us how to rest. He teaches us how to live life, how to love, how to live holy. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, it produces devotion to the essentials. And a devotion to the essentials produces revival families. And guess what revival families do? They make spiritual babies. And then we get to live in the Lord adds to their number day by day. You know, Paul, he gives us a very specific instruction in Ephesians 5 verse 18. He says, do not get drunk with wine because that's debauchery but be filled with the Spirit. 
Now, I'm going to get theological for just a moment, so put on your professor hat. Because we are raising up theologians in this house, right? Theologians who can teach and preach the word correctly. We're raising up lovers of God who speak truthfully. So let's look at the word filled for a moment. Because it's a really big word when it comes to its meaning. It means to be filled with the Spirit. It means to have the Spirit pervading, saturating, and infiltrating us with His holy and glorious presence in every chamber and corner of our being, leading and influencing every purpose, every affection, every thought, every action, and every utterance. That's what being filled means. Now, the tense of the word filled. Now, you guys remember English class tense, right? Past, present, future. So the tense of this word is the present, which indicates this process of being filled must be continuous and constant. Say that, continuous and constant. Continuous and constant. So another way of saying what Paul is saying is this. Be continually getting filled. Be continually getting filled. In other words, guess what? Yesterday's filling, not good enough for today. It's not enough. No, we got to be like a cup that is kept full, kept full of water by being kept constantly under the ever-flowing faucet of God. And each new filling should be larger than the last. Now, let's notice the word with, be filled with. If we literally translated the passage, it would read, be filled in the Spirit. And the thought with that is that every part of our lives is in the Spirit. It's in the Spirit. If we are believers in Christ, we are in the Spirit. That means that the Holy Spirit surrounds us. Who likes a Holy Spirit hug every once in a while? Yeah. We are surrounded by us. The Holy Spirit rests upon us with his glorious presence. And so Paul's thought here is to to let this water of life flow in and through us so that it can expel out everything else until we are just full of him. Now, let's get practical. Being filled with the Spirit and keep on getting filled is not supposed to be difficult. It's not supposed to be hard. It's not supposed to be hard work to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it takes effort, but it is not supposed to be hard work. 
So how do we get filled and continuously keep on getting filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, I believe there's just two simple components to getting filled and continuously being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so as I see it, uh, the first component in positioning ourselves for an infilling of the Holy Spirit is simply ask. Just say that word, say ask. Luke 11 tells us this. It says in verse 9, And I tell you, ask. Say ask. ask. And it will be given to you. Say seek. seek. And you will find. Say knock. knock. And it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? To get filled with the Holy Ghost We just simply begin by asking. And you see, Jesus in this chapter 11, he's teaching up in verse 2, just before this section, he's teaching the disciples up in verse 2 how to pray. And then as he's uh, taught them how to pray, he's providing them now with this encouragement of revealing what kind of father in heaven they're praying to. So I just taught you how to pray, I taught you how to ask, and I taught you how to seek, and I taught you how to knock. Now, let me encourage you, guess what happens? Who you're dealing with. Let me tell you who you're dealing with. A good, good father. When you ask for the Holy Spirit, you get it. Jesus was saying that the father is excitedly waiting to give us the Holy Spirit. Jesus was promising us that we will most assuredly get exactly what we ask for. You see, Father God is, is, is not like, he's not like a dad who, I don't know, um, maybe when you get your driver's license at 16 and you ask your dad for a Trans Am with the T-tops. And instead, you get to drive a Caprice Classic (laughs) station wagon. Yeah, look at that. That's what I drove. When I got my license, that was it. It was the Preble Party Wagon. (laughs) You know, the only problem was there was no parties in it because no one would be seen with me in this. So I guess my dad was smarter than I gave him credit. I don't know. Uh, But guess what? Our our God, who is our Father in heaven, he's never like that. He is never like it when it comes to the Holy Spirit. We can be 100% confident that when we ask him for the Holy Spirit, he will give it. And we should never stop asking. Asking for more filling. More, 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 more. 
every day we can ask for more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's what Paul was saying in Ephesians 5.18. He said, keep on being filled. Every day we can ask for more presence. We can ask for more power. We can ask for more filling. Because remember, we leak. You leaked on the way here. There's a whole thing going down the highway of Holy Ghost leakage. It looks like an oil stain, but it's not. We leak. Again, why? Because of disappointments in life. Because of defeats. Because we grind ourselves into dust some days. Because of that, this abundant life, it leaks out of us. Now, another way to describe asking is prayer. That's what it is. It's prayer. Basically, anytime we ask for more filling of the Holy Spirit, we are doing prayer. Acts 8, chapter chapter 8, verse 14 says, Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So asking and praying are essential for our daily filling. And listen, guys, prayer, this kind of prayer, this isn't drive-by prayer. This isn't McDonald's drive through prayer. This isn't even on my way to work or school prayer. Now listen, praying in your car, awesome. It's great. Do it. But prayer that fills us is different. I mean, think of yourself like a sponge. Just think of yourself like a dried up, hard as a rock sponge. You know, the kind that feels like it could break if you just bent it just too hard, right? Anyone ever felt like that? <laughs> a few of you look like that today, man. You're like, I'm dying, Tom. When is this message over? Get to the good part. It's coming. Yeah, I've had a few days like this. So, if the Holy Spirit is like water, as I described earlier, and we are a rock-hard sponge. Can we barely dip the corner of that sponge into the water and suddenly become soft again? No. Or, or what if we took the sponge and we just skimmed it along the top of the water? Just skimmed it. Would that make the sponge useful again? No, it wouldn't. See, what we have to do is we've got to take the sponge, we have to plunge it and immerse it fully into the water, and we hold it there until it becomes saturated. We keep it fully submerged until every crusty, hard place becomes soft again. And then we pull it out, and it's soft, and it's ready to be used again. It's ready to clean the world. 
That's the kind of prayer that the early church was devoted to. It's the kind of prayer that shakes an entire building when heaven invades the earth. Now, some people call this soaking prayer. Soaking worship. And this kind of prayer, it doesn't require striving. It doesn't require begging. It doesn't even require a lot of words. It's simply communing with the Holy Spirit through prayer, through worship, long enough that we come out saturated with His presence. And it's not hard. I mean, to do this, just just get in your room and put on some anointed instrumental music and just be with the Holy Spirit. Focus your attention on Him. Talk to Him. Love on Him. Ask Him to fill you and soften you. See, this is how we get oil for our lamps. Remember the parable Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25? He tells this parable about these ten virgins with lamps. He said five of them were foolish because they didn't have any oil for their lamps. And five were wise because they got oil for their lamps. See, and these virgins in the story, they represent you and me in Christ. When we soak in the oil of the Holy Spirit, when we we take the time it takes to, to soak it in, to soak in Him, we become this wise virgin. When we're asking and we're praying and we're worshiping and we're hanging out as long as it takes to get full, that's the kind of prayer and asking we do. Now, the next component to staying filled is just called building up, building ourselves up. In 1 Corinthians 14, it says, The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So Paul has this revelation because he is a, he tells us that he speaks in tongues probably more than anybody. And because of this constant use, this experience that he's had for now using his spirit language, he realizes that when now when he's been praying in his spirit language that it edified him personally. And he also realized that but when I prophesied, you guys get edified. He's done it and done it and done it and done it. And he's come to this aha moment. Gosh, when I, when I pray in my spirit language, I feel better. I think clearer. I make better decisions. The devil doesn't get to beat up on me quite as bad today. Huh. I better do more of that. In fact, I'm going to put it in a letter. Hey, guys, I wish you all spoke in tongues as much as I did. 
This is awesome. I'm built up. I'm, I, I can do Christianity like I'm supposed to. Abundant life. Now I realize it doesn't benefit you until I start prophesying the word of the Lord and then you're all happy, but whatever. I, me, this is good for me. And guess what? This is good for you. That's this revelation. You know, Strong's exhaustive concordance defines build up as that which edifies, instructs, and improves morally or intellectually. So praying in our spirit language builds up our spirit man and it improves our moral being and it enlightens and it illuminates our understanding and our intellect. Hey, you struggling with a test in school, kiddos? Pray in the Spirit. You got to study, though. The Holy Spirit needs something to work with. He's gotta, you can't pull from an empty well. I mean, <laughs> that information's got to get in there, and then he can say, okay, here it is. But see, this term, it can, it, it, this term build up, it conveys several things. Number one, it's a gradual accumulation. Number two, it means to increase in size or intensity over time. And then three, it's this, this thing of like charging a, a battery to build it back up to its full power. So when we think of charge, the word charge or being charged or something being charged, it, it really has several functions for what praying in the Spirit does for us as individuals. See, when we pray in tongues, it produces a gradual accumulation of the life and power of God within us. It's a charge. It's like, ding. As we continue to pray in our spirit language, the power increases. That power increases in size, and it, it, it increases in intensity. So to charge a battery is the process, a natural battery. To charge a natural battery, it is this process of storing energy chemically so that it can be converted into electricity. Charging stores electrical energy into a battery so that it has the power to start the engine. See, so when we pray in our spirit language, the presence and the power of God is stored up in our spirit. It gives us power to live this life of God that he's given us. It, it stores up this energy, and so we can manifest, so we can exude the power of God. Now, another way that we build ourselves up is to get filled through the Word of God. In fact, it says in Acts chapter 20, verse 31 and 32, it says, Therefore, be alert. Remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I command you to God, commend you to God, and to the word of his grace, that's what we're reading, which is able to build you up. The word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Yes, it does. 
and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. You see, when we give ourselves to the word of God, when we are devoted to the teaching of the Bible, like Acts 2.42 says the early church was, when we are devoted to the teaching and the preaching of God's word, we build our inner man up. It edifies us, and it charges us up with the Holy Spirit. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. You see, the, the teaching of Scripture builds us up. It edifies us. It goes hand in hand with praying, with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Jude 20 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. If we're going to build ourselves up in our most holy faith, we know how that comes, don't we? What's it say in Romans? Faith comes from what? Hearing. And hearing through what? Do you see all the dots? All the dots are connecting. All the dots are connecting. So for us to get filled with the Holy Spirit, we have to pray in tongues. We have to ask. We have to sing in tongues. Anyone ever tried that? That's a lot of fun. We've got to read our Bible. We've got to study the Bible. Guess what? You can sing your Bible too. Open that thing up when you got your instrumental music going. Pick your favorite song and just make up a song. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You can do jazz, <laughs> country. <laughs> but whatever you like is fine. Well, the Lord is my shepherd and he's so good. I got... We're going to get revival up in here. I can feel it now. The Kentucky roots are, are spreading out. The uh, Kentucky roots are spreading. There's a quake coming from the blue hills of Kentucky. Ooh, doggy. You can sing the word of God, whatever version. I don't care. Just do it in your heart. Just sing the Word of God, sing the Bible, pray your Bible. You know, you can open up the Word, and when you read these prayers that Paul prayed in Ephesians, and, and everything Jesus prayed, and I mean, all that stuff, you can just, just like put yourself right in there. God, I pray that the eyes of my heart are enlightened. God, I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation is on me. God, I pray that I would understand the glorious inheritance of who I am to you and all my brothers and sisters. Yeah, that one and this one, and I name that one, I name this one. And there's your conversation right there. Just put yourself in it. Sing it, pray it, declare it, soak it. Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he might grant to you to be strengthened with power 
through his spirit and your inner being. That's what we're talking about today. Being strengthened in your inner man through the Holy Spirit. So there's two things. That's it. That's all I can find so far. I'm sure we could make it more complicated. Ask and pray and build yourself up in the spirit language and in the language of the Bible. It's that simple. That's it.